welcome to the Love Positivism podcast. I'm your host, Shireen, and I'm the creator of Love Positivism. I'm here to help you on your spiritual and healing journey. I am a certified yoga and meditation teacher, a student of Chinese medicine, a doula, a Reiki practitioner, and a passionate, highly sensitive person. I want to use my knowledge to channel information and messages for you to grow on all levels. Hi, and welcome to the podcast today. Thank you so much for listening. And thank you to everyone who's been pre-ordering my book. It's called The Law of Positivism, Live a Life of Higher Vibrations, Love and Gratitude. And it's a book that helps you transform yourself, your mind, your body, your energy to live your highest potential. And it's out now to uh, pre-book or pre-order and you can find the links in the show notes here. Or if you just type the name Law of Positivism, live a life of higher vibrations, love and gratitude, and you can find the retailers that are selling it. So thank you so much for everyone who's reached out to me and let me know that you have ordered it. I'm so grateful and I hope that we can build a strong community together through this book as well, that we can help each other out and learn together. And I'm happy to share with you this week's episode with Dr. Katie Jane. She's uh, an amazing Vedic astrologer. She's named one of the top 75 yogis who's shifting the planet by Origin magazine. She's a Sanskrit and Vedic scholar and skilled Jyotishi, which means Vedic astrologer. She's traveled through India interviewing saints and yogis for her doctoral research. And she gives trainings in Sanskrit, the Vedas, and classical yoga. And she helps yoga practitioners access the wisdom teachings at the core of their practice. And this episode is so beautiful. I love talking Vedic astrology with Katie. And she lets us know a little bit about the Vedic astrology for this year, 2021. We also talk about the connection between astrology, yoga and Ayurveda and how Vedic astrology can help you on your healing path. So I'm really excited to share this episode. If you want to connect with her, you can find her links in the show notes. So enjoy this week's episode. Hi Katie, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me. I'm so excited to be here. I'm really excited to have you here and I want to ask you how you stay mindful and present. So that's a really good question because not always do I stay mindful and present, Um, but I come back to mindfulness. I come back to presence just very simply by a daily practice of meditation. Sometimes people think meditation has to be hard, But I practice a form of meditation that just begins very simply with watching your breath. And when I just sit for 10 minutes or so every morning and evening and just close my eyes and just breathe, it has a biological effect or a biorhythmic effect, I should say, on my whole day. 
Even if I lose my presence or my peace of mind, my body itself will remember those moments that I put in that discipline and recall the peace. Mm. So that's, that's one of the uh, techniques that I use to keep myself centered. That's beautiful. Thank you for sharing that. And I love your work and everything that you have been like the path that you're walking on. And I would love for you to share your story with the listeners in how, how you got into the work that you're doing right now. Yeah, it's such a long story. Um, and, and I'm a storyteller, so you might have to stop me if I go on too much. But I, I have been a lifelong lover of all things Indian. Um, you know, from the food to the clothes to the philosophy to the music. Um, I, I've just been in love with India. And it started as an eight-year-old child. Um, my parents were war refugees. So I grew up hearing such horrific stories of what they went through as children and their parents and grandparents. And we attended a church. It was a very liberal church. And the minister was a civil rights activist. And in churches, when I heard first about Gandhi and nonviolent revolution, and I was so impressed that a country could win its independence from a, from a, a foreign invasion power, a colonial power, without firing a single bullet. And, and that just intrigued me. And I, I remember making a vow as a kid, like, I will not rest until I get to go to India once in my life. Um, and, then, and then when I was in high school, I had a near-death experience. And it really um, depressed me and, and also made me question what is really valuable in life. And it just so happened that one of my English teachers gave me a copy of an autobiography of a yogi, which is perhaps one of the best books ever written. Um, it just inspired me so much that I dropped out of college a few years later and bought a one-way ticket to Nepal to find enlightenment. That's all I wanted. While in Nepal, I discovered Sanskrit. I, I lived with a Brahmin priest family in Kathmandu. And every morning I would hear the Vedas being chanted. And hearing this beautiful recitation every morning really taught me that this is not a classical language, but rather it's a technology for experiencing higher states of awareness. And so I got really intrigued to study Sanskrit. And when I returned to the States, I enrolled in the religious studies department in the University of California at Santa Barbara, because they had a Sanskrit program. And 13 years later, I graduated with a doctorate in religious studies with an emphasis on Sanskrit and the religions of India. 
and started working as a college professor. And then my sister called me. At, at the same time, I was getting into Vedic astrology just as a hobby because definitely not in my academic program was astrology one of the subjects. So I was into it because it was fascinating and it also explained so much to me about all the, the mythologies I had read. So many things made sense. Anyway, my sister was working as a marketing director at a company and her whole division was being laid off. And so she called me and she said, Katie, would you read the charts of, of all my coworkers? Because they're all so worried about what their next move should be. And I said, well, I'm just a novice. I don't really know much. She said, it doesn't matter. They're desperate. So I read the charts of these seven women. And it was so mind-blowing because every single one of them had the same rising star. And I just thought, how is that possible? I thought maybe there was a, a mistake in my uh, astrology software, but it wasn't. They were all the same star with the same concerns. And, and it just um, really made me intrigued. But it also gave me a business because those ladies told two friends and they told two friends and they told two friends. And the next thing I knew, I had such a demand for the healing light of Jyotisha, of Vedic astrology, that uh, it, I could leave my job as a professor and, and embark on the path of an entrepreneur. Yeah. So that's my story, hopefully in a nutshell. <laughs> yeah, that's that's so inspiring and such a great example of like everything unfolds exactly how it should because just when we follow that inner, like that inner guidance and and uh, yeah, just trust trust everything. It really turns out so great and. Yeah, I love I love your story. Thank you for sharing. Thanks um, for asking and giving me a chance to talk about it. <laughs> yeah, I think it's fantastic. And and if we would explain to the listeners the uh, about the Vedic astrology, um, many listeners know about this, and and we've talked about it before. But just like. What, what, what is the foundations of this uh, type of science? Yes, that's, that's a great question. Vedic astrology is based on a bigger philosophy of life. And that we can describe as the Vedas, the Vedas of India. And there's so much I can say about it, but essentially the Vedas, you can distill their philosophy into one principle. As is above, so is below. As is within, so is without. And it really, the Vedas really describe a quantum worldview. What we would describe in modern physics, I think, as a quantum worldview in which the part contains the whole. This is, this is the philosophy on which all of the systems of healing that come out of India are based, like Ayurveda, 
you've done a podcast with Katie Silcox, my dear mm-hmm. friend. And I always call her my sister science, my sister, because her her science, Ayurveda, is the, the sister science to Jyotisha or Vedic astrology. And we don't usually think of them together in Western contexts, but actually they form part of a triad of a healing system that's based on that principle. And the triad is first Jyotisha, which is called the eye of the Veda, the eye of knowledge, the eye of wisdom. We translate it as Vedic astrology. But the word astrology, I think, is so misleading because we think of astrology as prediction or fatalism or even spiritual bypassing that all my problems are because Mercury's retrograde or I'm going into Saturn return. But actually, if we if we look at it from another principle in quantum physics, which is the observer theory. And that is that the observer in the process of observing affects or changes that which is being observed. And we're doing this all the time. We're, we're, we're projecting what, not just our thoughts, but something even deeper than our thoughts, who we think we are and why we are here. And that's oftentimes projected upon us by our parents or or people that are most influential on us, especially in early childhood. We form a concept of ourselves, a vision of who we are. That's why this is the Ayurveda. So what Jyotisha does is it takes that same power that often results in unhappy outcomes, we don't like what, what results from our projection because it's not based on who we are in our highest light. What, what Jyotisha opens our, our inner eye to, our eye of wisdom, is who we are and why we are here as determined by the stars and planets at our birth. That's really, that, that equation is so interesting, specifically the star that was rising on the eastern horizon at the time and location of your birth. That star tells us everything about Shireen, how she rises up in life, what are her gifts and talents. Even how you look is, is connected to the qualities of your rising star. So how is that possible? It's only possible if we, if we understand that the part contains the whole, that you are the same as your star because there's no fundamental separation between any point in space. Um, so that's, what, that's the first part of the triad of sister science. So Jyotisha deals with the mind healing the mind, healing that self-perception that often goes askew because of projections and, and our willingness to latch onto those projections and make them our identity, our self-perception. Then comes Ayurveda, which is the body. The mind and the body are integrated in, in Vedic healing systems. 
And then comes Vastu or Stapatya Veda, which is the application in, in terms of our environment, city planning, uh, architecture. And all three of these systems have as their goal what is perhaps best articulated in the first of the sisters, Vedic astrology, alignment with Dharma, alignment with the natural opportunity that the universe is providing us at every given moment that is perfection. We don't think it's perfection, so we fall out of alignment. All kinds of things take us out of alignment. That's called vikriti or, or going against our, our natural path or our natural destiny, um, our dharma, our purpose for being here. Yeah, it, it's so... This topic is so interesting and so big because it's there's big, so many yeah. aspects and yeah, we, I, I just love astrology and I love that it's a part of a holistic system. So yes. It's not just like we're connected with everything. We can say that with words, but if we really go deeper into what that means, then nothing is outside of us and everything is a part of us as well as a whole system together so I really love to uh, understand astrology and how we're all connected and I really believe in the the statement that as above so below as mm. below so above it's really it's it's a powerful like tool and knowledge to have so we feel yeah. that connection as well and I'm curious of because I think uh, we have like when we have these big transitions and changes in the universe we've seen larger uh, changes in the world as well and I'm really curious how you as an astrologer have uh, what view you have of this we're in the beginning of 2021 so I would love for your insight into this year and what are the major aspects and energies that we can work with yeah this is a big question um, I feel like since 2020, you know, since the pandemic started, I feel like one of those weather people on television, you know, giving the forecast when it's a big storm, like the epic storm that nobody's ever seen before. Now, all of a sudden, everybody's tuning into the weather channel. It's kind of the same thing about astrology. Everyone, because of the unprecedented weirdness of these past months, everybody wants some kind of certainty. There, there's a huge interest in astrology as a result. Yeah. This year begins with something very interesting. It's, it's actually a really rare, it's not so rare, but it's pretty signific significantly unusual 
occurrence, and that is something called a stelium. In Western astrology, it's called a stelium. And that is when there are four or more planets all stacked up in a sign. And currently, I'm talking to you in February of 2021, currently there are um, I think six planets all stacking the sign of Capricorn, including a very rare transit of Pluto, which we almost never deal with in Vedic astrology because Pluto moves so slowly. It takes Pluto 248 years to complete uh, a round of the zodiac. So usually we don't experience much uh, noticeable influence of that planet until he moves his position. And he moved his position on the 30th of December, 2020, just recently. He moved into the Vedic sign of Capricorn or sidereal Capricorn. In Western astrology, they, they uh, calculate the zodiac differently. That's a whole other subject. But in any case, Pluto has moved into Capricorn, joining all these other planets, including the planet Saturn. So what does this mean? First of all, a stelium brings all the focus on one thing. And to me, that is the earth. Capricorn represents the earth and her people, the earth and her population. And I think that the pandemic is giving us all a really big alarm, obviously, that the earth is in trouble. That, that it's not natural for a, a, a virus, or maybe it is natural for a virus like this to emerge when we are committing all kinds of violations that are harming our planet. So the, the good thing I think about the transit of Saturn and Pluto ultimately in the long term is that we're birthing a new world. We're birthing new governments. We're birthing new social systems. We're um, cleaning up the past. I mean, there's so much big change that's obvious. We don't need astrology to see it. But most specifically, this year is a bit of a continuation of last year, which we're experiencing with new mutant uh, variations of the virus and the shutdowns and all the things are continuing, but it's going to start to break up. It's going to start to get better by April. By April, the planet Jupiter is going to move his position out of this stelium is going to move into the sign of Aquarius. And I think we're going to see a dawn of some really beautiful consequences that have come out of this tragedy. New medicines, new industries, new ways of educating people. Uh, so much innovation comes out of Jupiter moving into Aquarius that can give us hope and give us um, a relief from this feeling of anxiety and uncertainty. Mm. So 
that's that's coming i think which is really good news yeah definitely and we have to see that everything that happens are also evolving us so mm-hmm. i think sometimes we forget that we're part like if we look from very far away from earth and look at earth you you can't see the people <laughs> you can see the earth and you can yes maybe when you come closer you see some movement but it's just like a cell in the body it's a part of a, such a huge um system like sometimes we get so we 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 can't look beyond uh like what our eyes can see and that that can be natural but also when we look up i love to see like stars so far away to like the context that, mm. that we're in is so huge and it it's so like if we think that we know everything we don't know why we're on a giant round thing in the middle of i know <laughs> <laughs> it's it's so crazy when you start thinking about that and like like the eternal like it never like where does it end does it start does it end it's it's so it's it, it awakens a lot so i think just looking up and and under, understanding like what type of uh, personalities these different yeah uh, like planets and everything has around us we can also start having a connection with that yes oh yes you you brought up something so beautiful i mean yeah this universe is so enormous and and we're such tiny little specks mm. and yet what i love about vedic astrology and and astrology in general is that it takes something so huge something so vast unfathomably vast and yet relates it to something so intimate to you. Mm. It makes the universe an intimate place. Like we in Vedic astrology, the planets are all uh, male in gender. Mm. And the stars, the 27 star constellations that make up the zodiac in the Vedic tradition are all considered to be goddesses. Mm. Feminine. This is the oldest surviving zodiac that celebrates the divine feminine that that sees the universe as the um, expression of Shakti. Each mm. one of the stars is an expression of Shakti that actually shows up in your life as your core power. All of us have a core and essential power that that will never, ever fail us. And once, and we all know what it is, it's usually the thing we deny in ourselves, the the thing that we think we don't have. Like my sister, she has this star constellation called Punarvasu, that's her rising star. And it gives her the power to always be whole. She, whatever is lost, it's always regained. And, and yet, She's always, whenever she goes through these dips, when she thinks she's going to lose something, she really panics. And I, and I always have to reassure her, but you have this power that can never, ever fail you, that 
makes you always whole. Just open your eyes and observe mm-hmm. and see how it's true. So, so this is what I find so fascinating. And that, that power comes from a very, very distant star that's not so distant and is actually so intimate to you. Mm-hmm. It's who you are. Mind-blowing. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it is so interesting. And I'm really curious how, how do you work with, like how can one work with the astrology and the physical health? Because if it's con- so connected to Ayurveda, mm. like how, how, how can, you, can you see in the chart what types of things that are important to work with in the body? Yes. In fact, astrology historically has always been part of medical science. For example, Galileo was a, um, an astrologer. And, and I believe he was a medical student. I know he, he was a math uh, whiz as well, but I think he studied um, medicine as well and then served as an astrologer for his, his career. Um, but, but astrology and, and medical science have, like I said, always been connected. You can tell by looking at somebody's chart, what kinds of issues they might face and when, and this is how it works with Ayurveda because Ayurveda is a preventive medicine. It's, it's to avoid the danger not yet come. So if I look in my chart and I can see, oh, wow, I have issues with um, my heart, for example, I can then take remedial measures to avoid having some kind of problem later on. That, that's how it, it can work or it can be used as a diagnostic. Um, I've had recently a, a health issue that nobody could figure out amongst my doctors. They just, they really are baffled. They do not understand what it is. But if I look at my chart, I can see clearly, perfectly what the problem is. I'm not sure what the solution is, but I know what the problem is and where it, it affects me and perhaps even what might have caused it in my past. So, yeah, it can be used like that as well. Yeah, that's, it, it's so diverse and it really helps you to get a, like a really big understanding of different aspects of your life. So I think it's really, it can be so empowering to, yes. to have this knowledge about yourself. It's like a blueprint. It's so interesting. Yes. And um, how, how is the connection between the astrology and yoga in these traditions? Yeah, that's a really good question. Um, and, and we have to understand what's meant by yoga because yoga is, is in the Indian context, tradition bound. Mm-hmm. So when I think about this question, I'm thinking about the classical yoga of Patanjali, Patanjali's Yoga Sutras. Mm. And he talks about Jyoti, 
the the cultivation of this intuitive awareness, this cultivation of being able to see beyond the mind. Usually we're all caught up in our our mental chatter, our, our internal dialogue. But beyond that is a state of pure being. Pure being that's conscious, that's aware. And Jyotisha is based on cultivating that kind of intuitive insight, which Patanjali describes as the result of a process, a process that begins actually with sacred sound. In the Vedas, Jyotisha is called one of the limbs of the Vedas. There are six limbs, six branches of this knowledge. And it begins with how the Veda is taught in traditional India, which is oral. It's an oral tradition. A teacher and a student sit with each other, especially the student is, is at an age where um, she loves to learn, like age four. Age four is when, four or five is when a, a student traditionally learns Sanskrit, learns to chant the Vedas. And it's when kids love to listen and repeat. They love to mimic. Mm. And they, they learn this way through back and forth recitation for seven years. Well, no, until they're, they're 16. So more like 12 years of study like this without really knowing what, what it means philosophically. And that's because what this chanting does is it cultures your nervous system. The, the human being, it's so interesting that you talked about how small we are compared to the vastness of the universe. And, and that's really true. We've, we're given this tiny, tiny, tiny little form, and yet it possesses this incredibly sophisticated nervous system that is designed to facilitate higher states of consciousness we're only using such a fraction of what's available to us. And we just need to awaken the intelligence, the natural intelligence that, that exists lying dormant within our nervous system. This is what we do in yoga. Yoga is the practice to refine, to refine this, this, um, this natural awakening that we're born for essentially. And it begins in the classical tradition, not with asana, not with all this rigorous, you know, up and down, but, but through the repetition of mantra, of sacred sound. And that unfolds all the branches of knowledge because the way that you learn Veda, it teaches you grammar, it teaches you mathematics, it teaches you um, uh, geometry, history, linguistics. I mean, so many subjects just come out of learning this back and forth repetition that ultimately culminates in the fifth limb of the Veda, which is Jyotisha, which is the ability to see, 
beyond what is is shown to us to see underneath to open the eye of wisdom and then the sixth limb of of the vedas is called kalpa and that is putting that into action translating wisdom into the way that you live your life and it all begins with sacred sound mm. That is very powerful. And I love this science behind sound. And if everything is made up from sound and the universe is sound, that it really makes sense why we have our voice, why we, we can communicate with it, but also how we can use it as a tool for meditation, for like channeling it's really powerful so thank you for sharing that yeah and i would love for you to share what you're offering right now in terms of like astrology and everything that you're doing yeah well i'm since the pandemic i think anybody that is remotely connected with mental health has experienced a huge surge of demand and including me. I mean, I'm just overwhelmed with um, requests for, for readings. And so this past year, I have really poured my energy into helping people to learn themselves. I feel like everybody should be able to read their own chart and the charts of those close to them. That's, that's, such valuable information, especially parents with children. I, I, your astrological chart is your owner's manual that comes with you when you're born. So it's really helpful to know what the aptitudes are of your child and how to encourage them and help them. So I have created opportunities for people to study with me and learn Vedic astrology. I have a, a beautiful community I've created called the Rising Star Collective, and people can, can join this membership and learn the, the principles of Vedic astrology and how to apply them in community with like-minded people and with me as a guide. So that's, that's one thing I'm offering. And also every day on Instagram, I post a moon horoscope, a lunar horoscope in Vedic astrology. It's a, a lunar system. It's a, a, a feminine system. And every day I, I give a little um, inspirational message on the current lunar transit. And that's at Rising Star Astrology on Instagram, in case anyone wants to follow me there and check it out. That's so lovely. Also, I should give my website to Dr. Katie yeah. Jane is my website. You can she can find all the offerings that I have on drkatiejane.com. Yeah. Thank you so much for that. I will make sure to put all the links in the show notes for that you mentioned. And I want to thank you so much for coming and sharing your story and all of this. I could talk so much more about each topic it's so interesting so thank you so much 
Oh, thank you. It was just so lovely to get to know you and to share what I do with your listeners. So thanks for having me on your show. Thank you so much for listening. I hope this episode helped you to just get some more insights into what astrology is. I love astrology and I want to just uh, remind you that I have meditations and a yoga class on my YouTube channel that you can practice to connect with yourself, your mind, your body and my YouTube channel is also called Love Positivism and if you want to check out Dr. Katie's work you can find her links in the show notes so let's let's just take a deep breath in through the nose and exhale out through the mouth and namaste